Look around your neighborhood. 76% of all your friends, family members, neighbors are living paycheck to paycheck. The middle class is prison. Are you ready for the best real estate investing advice ever? Join Joe Fairless and today's best ever guests as they share it with you. It's the best ever advice with none of the fluff. Let's go. My mom always said it's rude to keep people waiting. Well, best ever listeners, that's exactly what you're doing if you're not funding your deals with our best ever sponsor, Patch of Land. Patch of Land is a crowdfunding marketplace that matches up your deals with accredited and institutional investors who want to invest in your deal. Patch of Land literally has thousands of investors ready to fund your next deal. You don't want to keep them waiting, do you? And guess what? It's a lightning quick process too. In fact, the average patch of land loan closes in just seven days. Is a five to seven day close faster than how long it currently takes you to close on financing? And just think, wouldn't it be wonderful to have all of your financing needs taken care of for all of your deals? How many more deals could you close if you already knew where the money was coming from? With Patch of Land, you no longer have to worry about the financing part. They've got it taken care of for you. Go to Patch of Land and find out how to get your next deal funded by the thousands of investors waiting for you right now. Go to patchofland.com. That's P-A-T-C-H-O-F-L-A-N-D.com. Hi, Best Ever listeners. Welcome to the Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever show. I'm Joe Fairless, and I'm here with today's guest, Grant Cardone. Hi, Grant. How's it going? Joe, I'm doing great. I appreciate you having me. Great to have you on the show. And I know based on previous uh, shows that I've seen you on, this is going to be a lot of fun. I'll just say that Grant is joining us from Miami, Florida. Uh, he is the New York Times bestselling author, and he's written four business books, including The 10X Rule and If You're Not First, You're Last. He spent over more than $280 million on real estate in the last two years and plans to invest $1 billion by the end of the decade. And he's appeared on HGTV's reality show, Selling LA, to market his $18 million LA home. And he's just a lot of fun. I, I was watching his uh, The Grant Rant and the Cardone Zone. Uh, go check those out on YouTube if, if you haven't already. And we're, we're going to have a blast. So with that being said, Grant, can you give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? Joe, I am an everyday. I'm just like everybody else out there. Um, like literally, like, I, you know, I got I brought up in Louisiana. My, my mom, my dad died when I was 10. My mom told me to get a, uh, get an education because that's what, you know, my dad believed in. So I did, and I got out of college, didn't know what to do, I owed the government a bunch of money. And and uh, I have always loved real estate from when I was a kid, I would drive, my dad would drive around and look at houses. I still do that today. Like literally me and my wife will, on the weekend, even when we don't want a house, we go look at real estate. And, uh, you know, I just, uh, my, my first business was not real estate. It was, uh, I was in sales and then I got really good at sales and questioned the way people sold things and how they didn't answer questions and wrote a sales, a, a new way of selling that transformed an entire industry and became well known for that uh, and started taking my free money. But you see, that was me making money and selling time. I was, I still had a job, even though I was working for myself and I would take the money that I'd saved because I've always been very, very conservative. I'm not so conservative when I talk, but I'm very conservative with money. You'll see that the, the listener will understand that in a moment. 
And um, every penny I, I, I'd push aside, I didn't have the courage to, to invest in real estate yet because I didn't know enough and I didn't have enough money put away. But over the last 25 years, I accumulated enough money and enough courage and enough knowingness about real estate, particularly multifamily real estate, uh, that I've made a few investments. When you talk about you're very conservative with your money, what do you mean by that? Well, I've always lived way, way beyond my means. I was brought up lower middle class. So we were always, my mom was, you know, she was scrapping. She was basically in a conservation mode for 48 years. Her entire life was conservation. And so when my dad died, she was in conservation the way she was brought up. Conservation means to conserve, contract, stay small, uh, protect yourself, right? So when my dad died, I was 10 years old. She left my, my dad left a little bit of insurance money. She do what she, she did what she knew to do, conserve, protect, guard. So, you know, every time I walked out of my bedroom, my mom would be like, turn those lights off because she didn't have new income coming in. You know, this is the entire middle-class America I'm talking about right now. The entire 270 million people in America are suffering from this, this disease, conservation and comfort, protect yourself, stay small. And this is the way I was brought up. And it didn't, it didn't matter that now I'm, I own a company at 29 years old or 30 years old. I'm a, self, I'm a self-employed person. I own my own business, but I'm still in conservation mode. In fact, I would stay in that mode for the next 20 years. Every penny I made, I didn't buy watches. I didn't buy cars. You know, you read books like Think and Grow Rich, or not Think and Grow Rich, but Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and The, the Millionaire Next Door. All these books, basically, and they're good. I mean, uh, of those two, uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad was a great book, but uh, because he's telling you, look, invest your money. As opposed to The Millionaire Next Door, he's saying, hey, don't buy $4 coffee. Let me tell you something. $4 coffee is nobody's problem. Okay, we don't, we don't earn enough income and we don't take enough risk in this country. And so when I say I'm very conservative with money, this is a long answer, Joe. I'm sorry, but it's I've been extremely conservative with my money. I mean, extremely. Like, I do not invest money unless I know for sure it's a slam dunk. So help, help me understand a little bit about that because you mentioned $4 coffee is nobody's problem, but you're very conservative with your money because you don't invest unless it's a slam dunk. So um, some might think that contradicts, but help, help me reconcile that a little bit more. So can you expand a little bit more in detail on that? Well, okay. So I got to go back though. Okay. So like here, I'm, I'm a salesman, I'm 29 years old and I'm a salesperson. Okay. I, I, well, I'm 25 years old and I'm not, I don't, I have no money. I'm broke. I'm by the time I'm right. 31, I have a million bucks. Okay. So I don't, I don't know how you do that. I didn't develop an app. I'm a sales guy. <laughs> it's 25 years ago. There's no technology, no internet. I'm a sales guy. I'm basically everything I didn't want to be. And I went to college not to be, but, but it's the only way I can make money. So I'm, I'm making $3,000 a month and I'm like, okay, I got to figure out how to make $4,000 a month because I can't live on three. Because at 3000 you you got 300 bucks left over. I don't care how, maybe $1,000 left over. It doesn't matter. Sooner or later, you got to figure out how to go from three to four. Now, the only reason to go from $3,000 a month to $4,000 a month is to have money left over. The only reason to have money left over, and most people don't do this. They certainly don't teach it in college. The only reason to have any money left over is to get that money to go out and actually do something for you. You know, so if you read any of these books about how people get rich, they get rich because they invest money. They don't get rich because of the amount of money they make. They don't get rich because they saved money. Nobody gets rich because they save money. It's impossible. You can't show me one person. If you show me one person that got rich from saving money, I'll give anybody that can do that 10 grand. By the time they had any money, they were dead. Okay. That ain't rich. 
So, so 25 years ago, if you saved a little bit of money, you'd get 10 or 12% at the bank. Today, you're getting a quarter of 1% at the bank. So I invest, like my, my sister puts money in a real estate deal I have. She gets paid 12% a year on that deal. She's getting paid 40 times more than the bank. That's how you get rich. By taking money from a job, getting that job to create more money. You got to figure out how to get more money first. So, so when the government tells you, oh, the middle class, the middle class needs to do better. The, the, the government cannot save the middle class, okay? Because the middle class has the wrong data. You cannot get financial freedom on 50 grand a year. It is impossible. I'm just telling people the truth. You don't have any money left over. So the first thing I had to do was get from 3,000 to 4,000 and then get from 4,000 to 5,000 a month and then figure out how to get to 8,000 and then 10,000 a month. And when you get that extra money, don't do anything with it. And when you do finally do something with it, make sure it's investing enough. Number one, enough money is getting invested. And number two, that money cannot be destroyed, disrupted, interrupted. It cannot be lost no matter what. For someone making, we'll say, we'll use your $50,000. For someone making $50,000 or working two jobs, and they are, you know, saving the money in anticipation of investing it. At what point do they do the investment? And what would you recommend somebody starting out with? Well, I would tell people, first of all, if you're making 50, put your attention on how to get, get another $30,000 a year. Is $80,000 the sweet spot for starting? No, the sweet spot, the, the, the number you need to get to ultimately is one twenty-five. Starting is not the issue here, okay, Joe? For me, the first issue is people have to think about getting out of the middle class. The middle class is the most, the most damaged, suppressed, oppressed group of people on this planet because they're overlooked by everybody. See, the government talks about them, but they can't help them. The government helps poor people. Rich people don't need any help. And then there's 200 million people left in the middle that get completely ignored, talked about a little bit. So the first thing people need to do is understand the reality of the situation. You need $125,000 a year, regardless of what city you live in. If you're in New York, you need probably 250. You need $125,000 a year just to, just to have any money left over that you have the guts to put at risk. Because if you're making 50 grand, you got two problems. You only got maybe... $10,000 left over a year, max, 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 maybe, right? And, and, and you don't have enough money, one, to make a difference. And number two, you're not going to have enough money to put it at risk. And this is what the investing community doesn't confront with you. Like if you don't have enough money to risk it, to feel like I can shove this in and lose it, because in real estate, you're not getting it back tomorrow. As you know, Joe, you're just not going to be able to sell the deal tomorrow and get it back. Right. So I don't know if that answers your question, but you got to start somewhere. Look, I started, I started with saving money and every weekend for three years, I shopped real estate. All I did was look at property for three years, Saturdays and Sundays, I looked at real estate. I measured uh, financial performance and, and financial statements and looked at deals. I didn't buy anything, but what I did was I kept saving money in a real estate savings account so that when I finally did pull the trigger... I had enough money put away that I could actually pull the trigger. And I had enough understanding of real estate by that time, intuitiveness and understanding about what something felt like when it was a winner, uh, that I could finally pull the trigger and, and feel good about it. Grant, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? Buy bigger, go big. What do you, what do you mean by that? Don't, don't do the single family residence. Okay. I'm telling you, don't do one home at a time. Biggest mistake I ever made. I did. I made one mistake. I bought single family 
but I bought one family, one, one deal. And I bought it and I was happy with it for six months because I rented it to these two girls and they moved out after six months. And what happened was, you know, I was happy for six months and now I'm, I'm worried because I got a mortgage due and no rent. And now I got to go, I got my main job. And now I got this second thing that's dripping a little bit of money that now I have all my attention on is taking attention from my main job, which was the money I was getting to save myself. This is everybody's problem with real estate, man. How do I take my attention off my main thing, put it on a second thing and not end up with two damaged things? I sold that house. I got out of it and I wouldn't buy another piece of real estate for three years because I was waiting to buy units, four units, eight units, 12 units, 16. The more you can buy, first of all, it's easier to get a loan. They're easier to manage and they're going to make you more money long-term. And there's going to be more buyers for it on the way out. Go big, baby. Go big. My first deal, Joe, was 38 units. How'd you finance it? Uh, I financed it with the bank. Easier to get a loan on a, on a multifamily than any other piece of property in the world today. Easier than shopping centers. Easier than a house. Because you see, uh, 38 units or 12 units. Pick a, I'm, looking at, I'm looking at 19 units. A guy sent me a deal to look at. I do a show on a network that I own called Whatever It Takes Network. And uh, I do a real estate show every two, second Tuesday of every month. And, and I look at people's real estate. And a guy sent me, I think it's 19 units in Cleveland, downtown, brick building, probably 40 or 50 years old. Great deal. It's going to be like a 12 or 13% return in year one. I'm going to put 25% down on that deal. I'm always going to put 25 to 30% down. I'm never going to be over leveraged in a deal. And I'm going to finance the rest with a bank or Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Oh, yeah. Maybe this First, a quick word from our sponsor. Could you do more deals if you had more money and didn't have to waste time looking for financing? Are you ready to scale your real estate business and do more deals? Well, let's make that happen. Our best ever sponsor, Patch of Land, is ready to fund your next deal. Patch of Land is a crowdfunding marketplace that has thousands of investors waiting for you right now. Find out more at patchofland.com. That's P-A-T-C-H-O-F-L-E-N-D.com. All right, Grant, best ever book you read? One of the best books I've ever read. I mean, look, I, I don't have a best book. Uh, the Problems of Work is a great book. Dude, I've read so many books, I can't even answer the question. Best ever listeners, I know you like audio, so you can go to freebesteverbook.com and get a free audio version of a book like that. Best ever personal growth experience and what you learned from it. 2009, when the economy collapsed, I, I realized I had not put my, my my family, myself, my business in a in a position to 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 basically handle any and all problems. Okay, and and that piece of advice was I should have been getting more. I should have been getting more, investing more, going bigger the whole time. Best ever success habit you practice? Probably I push pretty hard. I ten, I try to ten x all my activities. For the best ever listeners who haven't read your book, can you explain what 10x means? Well, if I think it takes if I think it takes two efforts to get something done, I'm going to actually put 20. Um, I'm going to put 20. I'm going to take 20 strategic actions to get any one thing done. People are underestimating what it takes to, to actually have success. And you know, back back to an earlier question you asked about. The thing I learned in 2009 was, look, success is my duty, my obligation, and my responsibility. Success should be guarded like it is your children. Your dreams, your original ambitions in life should never, ever be abandoned, even long after you're married and have kids. Your dreams should be guarded, protected, because your dreams, the things you've always wanted in your life, are, are the first children you probably had. 
Okay. Most of us knew what we wanted to do when we were three or four or five years old, man. I, I've known I wanted to buy real estate since I was, I don't know, six or seven years old, riding around in a car with my dad, looking at real estate. I'm like, man, that looks like a good deal. I read a book about uh, OPM, one of the best books I ever read. You asked about books, OPM, read this book 35 years ago and it talked about other people's money. Get closer to other people paying for things. Well, that's what commercial real estate does. That's what multifamily does. I'm using other people's money to buy uh, real estate and other people's money is paying that real estate down. So look, you need more, okay? This idea that you can live on whatever you're getting or that you're somehow satisfied or you don't need more, it is a freaking lie. You need more. Everybody needs more. Your family deserves more. You need more time, more money, more energy. And so 10X is really about 10 times everything you think you ever need, 10 times that, and you might be in the neighborhood. Best ever deal you've done. I bought a deal in Florida, uh, let's see, two and a half years ago. I paid $58 million for it. I knew the day I bought it, I made $20 million. And I told my wife I was in the, I was offshore. I bought it, I bought it uh, 3,000 miles away from Florida. I was in international waters. I told my wife, I said, if I get this deal, I'll make $20 million today. 38 other guys were bidding on the deal. I was the only person that was not known. I used a digital video LOI to go from being not known to the best known person in the group and being awarded the deal. 38 other bidders, 30 or 38 other bidders, they all had money. They were all, they could all get a loan. Uh, they were known, I wasn't. I wasn't even in the country. I used a, a video LOI, letter of intent. I was awarded the deal and it just appraised for $84 million. So whatever that is, I came up short a little bit. What type of property is it? It was 1,016 units. You wanna hear something really crazy? Absolutely. I didn't even walk the property. Follow-up question is, how did you, yeah, how, how does that work? Because you got to know what you're doing. You got to know your game, baby. I've looked at so much real estate over so many years, I can literally Google an address today and know whether it's a good deal or not. That's how much real estate you should look at, folks. You should look at so much real estate that you can look at the street in front of the property, that you can look at the trees in the neighborhood, okay? That you can see the cars in the parking lot and know exactly what you're getting. When, when the dude, did you have a team look at the property from a due diligence standpoint just to see if deferred maintenance or were the numbers at the point where that didn't matter? It was all about what you thought you could acquire it for. Yeah. The first thing that matters is whether you can get the deal or not. Okay. So all this other stuff that people go into, see, most people spend so much time on due diligence, you don't get the deal. So for instance, and I, and I told, uh, I told a very successful guy, baseball player, put baseball and apartment buildings in in, in a Google search and you'll know the guy I'm talking about. And uh, he's like, uh, hey man, me and you on a deal, who's gonna win? I said, dude, I'll kill you every time. Okay, I mean, you can hit home runs and you can hit triples and you can hit doubles. I can't do that, okay? Maybe you're gonna be in the Hall of Fame, maybe not. But I, me and you on a deal, you'll never get the deal over me. Because what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna waive my due diligence period to a very short period of time. If you need 30 days to do your due diligence, I'm gonna do it in about five or six. And, the, and this is based on a premise of commit first, figure the rest out later. Most people are going into analysis paralysis, not able to do the deal because you never make a commitment. The other thing is, Joe, you know, if you have partners on a deal, somebody's got to be put in charge, okay? So there's got to be a guy or a gal, there's got to be a general that says, we're doing this deal or we're not doing this deal, pull the trigger. I'm known for doing deals. So you can go anywhere in the country and say, hey, have you ever done a deal with Grant Cardone? Yeah, that dude's a closer. 
See, I'm known as a closer. I'm known as somebody that's going to go in. Like I just did a deal in Savannah at Christmas time. See, Christmas is a great time to buy deals because nobody else is buying deals at Christmas time. So this guy fell out. Guy called me up. Hey, can you do this deal? Sure, man. I, I flew in the next day. I stopped everything I was doing, flew in the next day to show him how serious I am. Uh, I'd already seen the property off the internet. I like it. I like the way it's searched. You know, I like I like some of the demographics. I like the area. I got on a plane the next morning, changed my schedule, flew in, looked at it. He's like, this guy's for real. See, the, the speed at which you can operate is important. I look at the deal. I finish, I finish walking the property with, I'm buying this deal. It wasn't, I'm going to go study. I'm going to research. I said, hey, man, I'm your buyer. I'm done. I'll close before the end of the year. I think it was late November, just after, uh, it was just before Thanksgiving, actually, the week before Thanksgiving. The reason I wanted that deal under contract that week is because I know I'm going to be negotiating with him at Christmas time when nobody else is doing anything except talking about Santa Claus. Okay? Get busy where everybody else is sleeping. So I put the deal under contract. We do the due diligence. I do a 10-day on the due diligence. He's like, he's serious. I send a team in. I don't do that. I pay some money for somebody to go in and do the due diligence, send me the reports. But more important than the reports is, what's your sense there? What did you think about the property? While I'm doing that, I'm sending the deal to Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac to underwrite the deal, okay? Now, this is uh, 264 units in Savannah. The name of the property is called Arium Trellis. If you want to search it to see if I'm legit, you can. (laughs) So I send it to my boy, Wells Fargo. Any lender will do this for you. I'm like, underwrite this deal for me, Bill. Okay, Bill, the banker with Wells Fargo, who's going to get a fee, is my analysis. See, when he underwrites the deal, he's going to underwrite it like a bank will, very conservative. Here's my little tip. If my numbers are more conservative than Bill's numbers at Wells Fargo, I'm buying this deal no matter what. Because if my numbers are more conservative than Bill's number, the bank, then I know I'm going to make money here. He comes back. Yes, everything checked out. The check by the management company came back great. I know I need to spend some money. Now I'm going to spend the next 30 days after my due diligence is done on the ninth day. I I had to renegotiate the deal, renegotiate the price. Everything got a little emotional at the end, but it's Christmas time. They don't have any place to go, Joe. They They can't sell this deal to another place. It's the end of the year. Who's looking at real estate? Nobody. So everybody's, you know, complaining because I'm going to retrade this property. Unfortunately, I got to use this word retrade which means I need to buy the, the property at a lower price in order for me to close. And how did it turn out? It turned out emotional. It was emotional for everybody. People crying. Oh my God, I can't believe you're doing this to us. I'm like, dude, I got a five-year-old that doesn't act like this. I'm trying to buy your deal. Your deal's $30 million, okay? I was under contract at 30, uh, 29 million. I was under contract at $29,850,000. And I'm like, look, the deal's gonna close at 29 million with me, or you guys can go back to market and close with somebody else in March or April or May or who knows when. I'm closing at 29 and I'm ready to close now. You guys call me back when you quit acting like teenagers. Best ever project you're most excited about right now? Uh, I'm creating a network called Whatever It Takes Network. Whatever it takes, it's a digital business network with at this time 31 entrepreneurs, successful people, giving people advice on how to how to start a business, how to grow a business, and how to even retire a business or sell one. Best ever quote. Success is your duty, son. What would you say is the biggest mistake? And you, you mentioned something earlier, so I'm interested to see if you repeat the same thing. Biggest mistake in real estate. Two of them would be, well, selling anything. I probably should have never sold anything. See, because I buy stuff. Multifamily real estate doubles every 10 years. I don't know if you know that. Every 10 years, if you go back, it doubles every 10 years. 
while the debt's being t- paid down by the renters. Uh, so probably the biggest mistake is selling any ever selling anything, but that's that's what I've done. I I don't stay in a deal forever. The second biggest mistake was not going bigger faster. And I'll give you a third biggest mistake is not raising money. I should have been raising money all this time. I've never used anybody else's money. I've done, I have $350 million in real estate. I think you introduced me with 280. You're kind of behind the times, dude. Um, I'm at 350 right now. You know, I should have raised money because if I raise money, I could be at a billion dollars pretty quick. Do you own that real estate with partners? Uh, yeah, my brother, my sister, and my mother-in-law. I mean, but they own, you know, less than 2% of the whole portfolio. What's the best ever place to reach you? My office number is 310-777-0255. You could also email me at, send it to Sherry at grantcardone.com. Sherry, S-H-E-R-I at grantcardone.com. Or they can also call me on any of my shows during the week, the Cardone Zone, 305-865-8668. I just gave out too much information probably. Well, that's all right. It's the beauty of a podcast where we can all rewind and listen again. Grant, thank you so much for being on the show and sharing your best ever advice with best ever listeners. And my gosh, this was as expected, just a, a wild ride. And I am so grateful for you being on the show and sharing your advice and talking about, you know, the, the buy bigger mentality. And then also, you know, uh, very candidly talking about the middle class. And if you're not making the money that you need to invest, then focus on making that money and perhaps take a page out of your book. And while you're focusing on making that money every weekend, as you mentioned, you know, you shop for real estate for three years. Yeah. Every Saturday and Sunday, you were out there learning the process, learning the, uh, you know, the neighborhoods, what to look for, underwriting deals, and then preparing yourself. I mean, um, this is a, a, you know, perhaps a terrible metaphor, but I, I think of it as the prisoner who is in prison and he is, uh, you know, he's thinking about golfing 18 holes and then he goes out after being in prison for three, four years and then he shoots a hole in one. How does he do that? Well, he mentally was taking those reps and exercising his mind and, and making things happen. Joe, and Joe, you know, if you don't mind, uh, and I know you're going a little long right now, but this, th- your metaphor about prison is pretty good, okay? I mean, I actually like that because I always thought, man, if I go to prison, you know what? I'm going to get in the best shape of my life. And the reality is, the reality is, the middle class is in prison, okay? You're in prison. No offense. I've been there, okay? The, pr- the middle class is imprisoned by comfort, the idea of comfort, education, a home, an address, I'm going to get married, we're going to have two kids, everything's going to be fine. I mean, unless you believe in fairy tales, that is complete garbage. Look around your neighborhood. 76% of all your friends, family members, neighbors are living paycheck to paycheck. The middle class is prison. What you need to be doing right now is push-ups, sit-ups, and getting ready for freedom. The middle class is built on a concept of comfort, and wealthy people want freedom. So I just, I encourage everybody to figure out, man, do your push-ups, your sit-ups, your jack, do whatever you got to do to get freedom for your family, for yourself, and for your kids. Thank you so much, Grant, for for being on the show. And, um, you know, the, the last thing I want to mention, and then we'll, we'll go ahead and close out, is the video LOI to get the deal. Um, I mean, that in and of itself, that very tactical, you know, we, we, we talked high level and then we also talked about, um, you know, your road to this point and how others can, uh, you know, accomplish 
similar things. And um, I, I loved the very tactical aspect of that video LOI where you instantly became an unknown to the most well-known individual and bidder in this in that deal, the over a thousand unit deal. And then also, you know, your approach to committing first and figuring out the rest later. Yeah, that guy, and you said you were going to get the last word, but I'm going to try to get the last word. Every time you try to do the last word, I'm going to come back and do the last word, okay? That guy, by the way, has sold me two other deals since then, uh, worth about another $60 million in deals. And that video, that one video that I sent him for an LOI had an embedded digital link in it so that I could see every time they opened it. They opened that video 18 times. There was a board of trustees that had to make a decision on the sale of this portfolio. 18 times they opened it. So when they came back to me and said, hey, you're at the top of our list, I'm like thinking to myself, dude, I ain't the top of your list. You watched my video 18 times. I didn't tell him that, but I knew I was in a really strong position because they, why would you watch something over and over and over again? Well, I, I will absolutely let you have the last word. And, and as long as you keep talking about stuff like that, that it keeps adding value. So um, I'm going to let you sign off, Grant, and tell the best ever listeners whatever you want to tell them. And, and it's been great talking to you. You know, to your best ever and the listeners, this is the best ever audio program ever on. And by Joe Fairness, I love this guy, okay? Boom. Boom. There you go. <laughs> okay, brother. Thank you, man. All right. Nice to meet you, Grant. All right. Good to meet you. Good to talk to you. Hey, you, best ever listener. Do you want more? Then go to joefairless.com, where you'll get tons of free videos, templates, and content to help you get deals done. And remember to subscribe to the best ever show in iTunes so you can keep getting your daily dose of the best real estate investing advice ever.